All right. Continue the message from last week. Saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's not going to do it. He has already done it. He's not going to do it. He has already done it. That's the essence of everything we've been talking about for months now. And Paul wrote this epistle to the Ephesian church to remind them of their inheritance, which was secured for them by the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And he said to you and I that we have everything possible in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And then in Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 8, it tells us that by grace we've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And last week, we tried to establish the fact that grace has made all things available. Grace has made all things possible. Grace has made provision. Peter describes this grace as multifaceted. And the reason he says that is because it's not just one facet of grace, but there are so many aspects of it. For instance, grace is defined as God's unmerited, undeserved, and unearned favor. When you and I deserved death and punishment without me asking, without, God, without me pleading with God, he free willingly offered me mercy. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you guys, man, but when those guys were ministering just now, I was jumping up in my spirit. My Lord and my God. So grace is God's unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor. But not only that, I was not asking him for forgiveness. He forgave me anyway. Everything that God has done for me and you, he did them independent of us. He did not wait for me and you to be pleading, begging, grumbling, and complaining, and crying, and shouting. He just did them in spite of us. That's what grace does. It's spread the table. Everything you need is on the table. And now, it takes faith to appropriate it. Everything that we need is already available in the realm of the spirit. But faith is the bridge that brings our need in the spirit to manifestation in natural. And last week I was sharing with you how that we must appropriate what grace has provided by faith. Faith is me and yours positive response to God's grace provision. Let me say that again. I said faith is a positive response to God's grace provision. Now, I need to make a little emphasis of that. In other words, you can only express faith to what God has provided. You cannot make up things and apply faith to it. Let me give you a good example. Years ago, I won't mention this pastor's name. 
a friend of ours, he's been here many times. Those of you that have a gift of the spirit, you know who I'm talking about. Okay? A woman in this church was praying and believing God by faith that she'll be her, his, his wife, even though the man is married. Not, I mean, listen, this woman came to church, night vigils, blowing tongues, and moving all around the place, and not only that, to put traction to her faith. She, she, on her job, this is the truth. She was a lawyer in the bank. She put his pictures all around her cubicle. All day long. And we'll come to church on Sunday, see, see man's wife, and be praying that she will die, so that she will become the next. I'm talking about what Christians do. Unfortunately. So what I'm saying to you this morning, I want to make it clear to you. You cannot use God-given faith to appropriate something that God has not provided for. Adultery was not provided for. Murder was not provided for. God did not put that as part of your benefit in his redemption package. Therefore, you cannot use God's faith to believe for what God did not believe for. And if you are here this morning, or you are listening through video or tape or whatever, and you are believing for something that is wrong and not provided by redemption, you are in the flesh. And not of God. It is very important we make that distinction. Here in the United States, another friend of mine, high profile ministry, this is, this is I mean, this, this woman just went berserk actually went to her, went to the pastor's wife and said, you know what? I'm believing God for your husband. Okay. Am, am I talking? Went to her, eyeball to eyeball because she's a woman of faith. And told the woman that she's believing for her husband. The woman, of course, knew, she knew that the lady was uh, you know, she, uh, the elevator is not going all the way to the top. So she just, she, she didn't even respond to it. Just sent her to the appropriate place to get prayer. <laughs> now, we are laughing about this. But it's point that you understand that you know, this is the reason Psalms 103 made it clear. Bless the Lord of my soul and all that's within me. Bless his holy name and forget not his benefits. Okay? So the Bible expresses, tells you what God's benefits are. So you and I cannot rope anything else into it and say we are using faith to get it. You're on your own. Now, we also said last week that faith is now present. It's not something you defer to some uh, time in the future and say you're believing. No, no, no. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when you and I approach God, we need to be approaching God with the mindset that we are believing God to answer that, that, that prayer instantly. Immediately. Are you set so far? Okay. Now, this week, let's pick it up from there. Let's pick it up from there. It is obvious that grace and faith work together. We made that clear last week. Either one, by itself, and of itself, will not get the job done. You need to know the grace of God and receive the provision of grace by faith. It is grace 
and faith working together that brings manifestation of what God has already said. Now, last week, I took the time to try to explain to you the reality of the spirit realm. And that's where we're going to come for a moment this morning. Because if I can get you to understand this, you're on your way. The reality of the spirit realm, it is so real, it's realer than real. Put that in Webster's dictionary. It is so real. Now, you know, the house I'm living in now, in Bethlehem, not of Judea, but of Georgia. <laughs> that house was built from the scratch. In other words, we went there, picked the lot, and we watched them build it from scratch all the way to the completion. That's the reason I'm telling you this. When they started building, they brought tractors in, caterpillars in, uh, they laid the foundation, they brought, they brought mains, uh, what do you call it, uh, people that laid bricks, mainstream, main, main, thank you very much, sir. Ah, hope, it's good to have you in the service. <laughs> they brought masons, and little by little by little by little, they built a house. It took about three months. With all of our technology, with all of the skills that's available in the United States, it still took about two to three months to do so. Now, I'm saying that for a reason. Because in John chapter 1, we see something here. And I'm still speaking on the reality of the spirit realm. But here's what the Bible says in John 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Look at verse 3. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. What's the point I'm trying to get across to you and I? The word of God is the most powerful spiritual substance on the face of the universe. The word of God is a most powerful spiritual substance on the face of the universe. It took three months to build one little bit, uh, what, 3,000 square foot house in this great United States of America. Three months with all of our resources to build one little house. But with God, he created the universe in six days and nothing was lacking how did he do it he employed the most powerful spiritual substance that's available in heaven and earth he did it with his word the bible says nothing that was made was made except it was made by the word hebrews eleven three confirms that it tells us that it tells us that by faith we know that the world was framed by the word. In other words, everything God spoke, a level. Look at that word, framed. The word frame is a deliberate action. Frame, layer by layer by layer until the manifestation, the completion, the finality of your intent becomes manifest. How did it happen with God? He did it through 
his word. And my God, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, verse 63, he said, the, 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 the letter killeth. He said, but the spirit gives life. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are what? Spirit and life. And you and I now have that same word. My God. I don't know about you this morning. But that same word that God used to frame the universe. That same word that God used to frame our world. That same word is now available to you and I. It's in our mouth. And if that word worked for God, I'm telling you, it will work for you and I. That's a promise of the word of God. My Lord, my God. We have at our disposal the most powerful spiritual substance on the face of this universe. If God used it to create the universe in six days, six days it was done. I don't even know if you can recognize a house after six days of working on the, on the, on the lot. In six days, think about it. North America was made. Asia was made. The Australias was made. Africa was made. My God. What I see everything was done in six days. Amen. By the power of his spoken word. Let there be. And he showed up. No controversy. No argument. No hesitation. He said it and it was. You don't know what you have. Say to your neighbor, say neighbor. You don't know what you have. Say, neighbor, you don't know what you have. <laughs> Hallelujah. The most powerful substance on the face of the universe is the word of God. And we have that word available to us now. And so, from last week, Elisha prayed for the eyes of his servant to be opened. Because like I said to you last week, Grace has made provision for everything we'll ever need. Our challenge is that we don't see them readily with our naked eyes. But it's not because they're not there. They are there. They are there. They are there. And that's why Elisha said, God, open his eyes that he may see. So he can see the provision you already made. And he prayed. And the man's eyes were open. And behold, he saw the provision that was there. So let's move from there this morning. Don't forget the most powerful force, the most powerful substance on the face of this earth is the word of God. Now, why is it that you and I can pray and things don't happen immediately? Why is it that we can pray in faith for manifestation of what we know God has already provided and things don't happen instantly. Why is that? Is God withholding his provision from us? No. No, absolutely not. Is God a respecter of person? No, absolutely not. It's not. It's neither of those things. So let's, let's, let's go on a journey this morning. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Oh, hallelujah. The word of God. The most powerful spiritual substance on the face of the earth. Yep. All he had to do was send forth his word and heal them. 
That's all you have to do. Hallelujah. And the Bible talks about how the angels, they are at, they are, they are at attention, waiting to hear the voice of the word of God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Look at what happens. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. Now, Look at verse 23. Let me read one more. At the beginning of your supplication, the command went out. And I've come to tell you. Did you see that? When did the answer come? Are you convinced? Because when you guys are saying it, you are saying you are almost. When did the answer come? Absolutely. This is an Old Testament saint. Old, Old Testament. Under the law. Daniel chapter 9. He was praying. He needed a revelation to understand what was about to happen. And the Bible tells us, Gabriel was dispatched to bring him the answer. Not only that, for your information and my information, for our benefit, the Bible makes it clear when the dispatch took place. Not two weeks later, not a month later, while you are praying, Daniel, I was dispatched. You think God will do any less for you and I today? If you think God will do any less for us today, you do not understand the new covenant. Because if he did not spare his only son and gave him up for us, how much more will he freely give us all things? You see, the issue is we must be convinced. Because if you're not convinced of these things, you cannot stand in boldness and confidence for them. So, Daniel's prayer took all of three minutes to get an answer. Well, so much so for your prayer night video. Because if the Old Testament sin can pray, and within minutes, perhaps three minutes, the angel brought the answer to him. What has happened to us? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have prayer videos. I'm just saying to you, we are operating at a, low, at, at the, at a level way beneath what grace has made provision for. Way, way, way beneath. And we are the ones empowering the prayer contractors. Because as long as we are ignorant and don't know what's available to us, I need to employ somebody else to pray for me. By the time this grace message covers the whole earth, prayer contractors will be out of a job. Amen. I'm telling you, because, because they, they exploit people. They exploit the ignorance of people. Somebody was asking me this morning, I was talking to someone this morning, because this thing, this message we're talking about now, 
is spreading in a way that's much faster than we think. It came to my attention that Bishop Okonko in Nigeria is put on the garment of grace. Wow. In a way that Nigerians didn't even expect for him, for him to pick it up. And someone was talking to, this, to me this morning, asked me about this other one and that one. I said, well, those guys, they need to be needed. So even if grace is knocking on the door, they may not answer. Because they, 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 their satisfaction is to have 200 people waiting for, to see them every day. And feel needed Absolutely. to be needed. And for them, grace is a curse. <laughs> so they will not get a message. It takes an element of humility to receive what God is saying through his grace message. Because what that does for you is it takes you apart. You understand that it's not a man of God, a woman of God. It's nobody but Jesus. Yes, sir. J-E-S-U-S. Because while you are yet speaking, it's healing. He's saving. He's delivering. He does not need me and you. Jesus plus nothing is everything. When you add something to it, it becomes an additive. It's nothing. Amen. Amen. Now, we saw God answer Daniel's prayer speedily. Daniel chapter 9. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 10. The very next chapter. Daniel chapter 10 verse 2. Now, I'm showing you here the reality of the realm of the spirit. Daniel prayed in the spirit. An angel was sent to bring the answer to physical manifestation. It happened in the spirit and then we saw it in the, in the physical. In Daniel chapter 10 in verse 3, no in verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I had no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. It was praying and fasting for three weeks. Verse 10. Suddenly, a hand touched me which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. Oh, my goodness. You should underline that in your Bible. <laughs> Notice what the Bible said. The Bible didn't say, Daniel, you love God. <laughs> We've been telling you, it's not how much you love God that brings the result. What brings result is the fact that God loves you. And that you and I are accepted in his beloved. We've been completed by him. Look at the message of this angel. Oh, Daniel, a man greatly beloved. God wanted to convince you and I of how much he loves us. So to Lazarus, the one whom you love is sick. That's what brings result. You cannot approach God and tell God how much I love you, God. I love you so much. Therefore, do this. You? Your love is hot when you're feeling good and it's low when you're not feeling good. Your love to God is inconsistent. The only consistency in this equation is his love. Because his love does not change. He loves me and you unconditionally all the time, every day, every moment, every hour, no matter what you do or do not do. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus loves bank. Yes, I know. For the Bible tells bank so. I don't know about you guys, but Jesus loves me some. 
Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Verse 11 again, and he said to me, O Daniel, mine greatly beloved. I wonder how that made Daniel feel. To get a message from heaven. That you are not just loved, greatly. No, no, even if you say loved, Professor, you are, you are getting it wrong. Don't put that in the lesson tab. <laughs> you are greatly beloved. Qualifies that love, Bisala. Greatly beloved. Man, bank, you are greatly beloved. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Greatly beloved. Understands the word that I speak to you. And stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. For from the very first day that you set your heart to understand. And to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard and have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, this was the same Daniel that prayed a chapter ago. And while he was praying, bang, he got an answer. The same Daniel prayed in the next chapter. Fasting and praying for three weeks. And the answer was delayed for three weeks. Now, let, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. The manifestation of the answer was delayed for three weeks. But I hope you saw what I saw. The angel told Daniel, from the day you prayed, from the moment you set your heart, the answer was given. I want you to see something about God. He's consistently consistent. The same God that answered in chapter 9, the moment Daniel was praying, is the same God in chapter 10 that answered the same moment he was praying. God did not change. The variable here was not God. The variable here was not Daniel. He was the same man. And the point I want to get across to you this morning, anytime you get on your knees or you sit or you stand, whatever your posture when you are praying, you need to know if you're a man of God born again, I want you to know the moment you open your mouth, God has sent the answer. He sent the answer. But the answer did not get to Daniel for 21 days. That's what I want to deal with. For 21 days, the answer that God sent was hung. Did not get to the man. For 21 days, under Gabriel, had reinforcement by Michael. Question, what will have happened if Daniel stopped praying on day 19? What will have happened if he stopped praying on day 20? Huge. Huge. 
The prayer of faith engages the angels of God in your behalf. The prayer of faith. What do I mean by that? Prayer of faith meaning you are speaking what God has spoken. Remember? The most powerful spiritual substance on the face of the universe is the word of God. You are speaking what God has spoken. You are speaking the same words of God that God used to create the universe. You are speaking the same words. It's only a matter of time. Whatever hindrances is holding your blessing and manifestation must turn it loose. Now, in this case, the Bible allowed you and I a glimpse to see what happened what hindered the answer. And this could be where many of us are right now. The answer to Daniel's prayer was hindered by demonic interference. The variable was not Daniel. It was the same person. The variable was not God. God does not change. It's consistent. Amen? He loves you. He wants to make provision. He's already made the provision. God does not change. It's consistent. So God is not the variable. The only variable in this story is the demon spirit. Wow. Got so quiet. I guess all the uh, prayer contractors now say, well, we're in business again. <laughs> You're in business just for five minutes. I'm about to take your business away. <laughs> Praise God. So the only difference here is the demonic spirit that sought to hinder the manifestation to the next prayer. Now, what you and I must understand is this. In the old covenant, Daniel, along with all the saints of the Old Testament, looked to the coming of Christ and what Jesus would do. For you and I, as New Testament believers under the covenant of grace, we are not looking forward to what he will do, we are looking back at what he has already done. Ooh. I said a whole lot in that one sentence. Hmm. I said a whole lot in that one sentence. This is the key. Old Testament saints did not, I repeat, did not have authority over demons. Old Testament saints this is what the contractors will not want you to know. Old Testament saints did not have authority over demons. That authority only came with grace. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what did Jesus do? In Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I give you power. Hey, hallelujah. I give you authority over serpents 
and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. You will not find that in the Old Testament. That came through Jesus. I give you power. Power. Authority. Over serpents. And if you touch a scorpion, over scorpions. <laughs> and over all the powers of the enemy. And they shall by no means hurt you. You are armed. I'm telling you that the most spiritual entity on the face of earth is in your hands. In Mark 16 verse 18. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, you will cast out demons. That's what he said. That's what he said. In the Old Testament, those saints didn't have that authority. In the New, you and I have the authority to put demons in their place. And just so you know, just so you know, demons understand, they recognize, and they respond to authority more than regular believers. They understand, they recognize, and respond to authority. That's why Paul says there are principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. These are the hierarchies of demonic forces. That's how they operate. That's how they operate. And so you find in Mark chapter 5, they come to Jesus and say, please Jesus, if you're going to cast us out, can you allow us to go into this wine? They, why? They recognize the authority that Jesus was carrying. Acts chapter 19. Demons were speaking. Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who? Oh, they understand more authority than you and I. Because they function on the basis of authority. Huge. So you need to know this. This is your ammunition against demonic forces that's hindering your prayer. So you pray, you don't get an answer. What should you do? Ask God, open your eyes to the hindrance. Don't just take authority, authority at random. At what? At what? Is, do you see how we miss it? You need to know. What are you fighting against? What are you, what's coming against you? So I pray, nothing happens. So now Paul says what? That I should ask the eyes of my understanding to be enlightened. So God, I know you love me. Settled. Check mark. I know you've provided for me. Check mark. There's no question about that. I know this is already done. Check mark. There's no doubt about that. I know you desire for me to be well. Check mark. However, I've not yet received the manifestation of what I know you've already done. Therefore, I know it's hanging somewhere in the realm of the spirit. I know it because your word said so. Oh, yeah. On the basis of that, my father, open my eyes. Let me see this hindrance so I can destroy it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. Man, I'm, I'm feeling so good, I don't know what to do. It's true. It's huge. So once God opens your eyes, 
you cannot laser focus. You don't want to spend your resources on just throwing away your ammunition all over the place. Why do you do that? It is only this administration I know. Bombing, they, they take a drone to Syria to, to go and shoot down one vehicle. They, they, a $5 billion vehicle. They're going to shoot one car with it. What kind of madness is that? What kind of madness is that? If you're going to fight, fight. Seriously. If we're going to go to Syria and fight them, let's go ahead and do it. Let's just know what we're doing. You're going to fly drones, $5 billion equipment. You're going to use it to shoot on your bicycle. <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is, don't be like a Democrat in your prayer. Brother, you know I love you. You know I love you. <laughs> Praise God. So what I'm saying to us is, let's be judicious in how we use the armory, in how we use the ammunition. Find out what the issue is and then zero in on it. When you do that, what happens? Instead of playing 20 hours, you play five minutes. Now, am I discouraging from praying? No. No. I'm just showing you how to be more efficient. There's effectiveness and there's efficiency. If I'm effective, but it's costing me a ton of money to be effective, I need to look at how to bring that cost down. What I, I can accomplish in five minutes, why do I need ten hours to do it? Who am I trying to impress? Amen. The realm is real. Ask God to open our eyes. See what you are dealing with and then address it in faith. Demons, they understand your authority. There's no question about that. But the problem with us is we don't exercise it. We don't. Because in part, we don't know. Amen? Now, let's go to Colossians. I'm about to bring this to a close. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. If you can give me this passage in the message translation, I really would appreciate it. Verses, on, in the message, it will be verses 11 through 15. Colossians chapter 2. I'll read it to you first in the New King James, then we're going to get it. Oh, is it on already? Wow. Chris is working on these guys this morning. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Look at what it says. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No. You are already in. Did you hear that? Inside us is what God calls you and I. Not through some secretive initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you. Destroying the power of sin. Next. If it's an initiation ritual you are after, for those of you that must have a ritual, <laughs> this message translation, man. Pastor Shina, we need to send him an offering. <laughs> man, 
If it's an initiation ritual you are after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your whole life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. Next one. When you are stuck in your old sin dead life, you are incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. Next one. Their slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant. Yes, <laughs> Cancelled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe, my God, of their sham. Do you hear that? Sham. Sham authority at the cross. But that's not all. I march them naked through the streets. Hallelujah! <laughs> Let me break it down for you. So you can really, really shout. Paul is talking to Gentiles who in that day Whenever they went to battle, the subjects who were at home wondered how the battle was faring. And they were concerned, are we winning or are we losing? And so what happens is, whenever the battle was concluded and they have been declared victorious, they don't believe Fox News or CNN to validate the victory they're hearing about. What they had to do was bring all of the leaders of the opposing nation or group they were fighting had a parade where all their subjects had the opportunity with their own very eyes to see those people who were a threat to them. It was only then that their fear of being subjected to the tyranny of that opposition can subside. They can verify, yes, I saw Goliath. I saw his thumbs cut off, his legs are cut off. He can no longer hold a sword. He can no longer stand. I was there. I saw it. It happened. It happened. It happened. The opposition is totally, completely put to rest. They can never come back to attack us again. Paul is saying to these people that that's the exact same thing Jesus did to the devil. That he just didn't destroy him but he paraded the devil through the pages of the scripture. Oh my God. Showed us that the devil is put to complete, total, final arrest. He can never threaten you and I again except through his lies and deception. That's all he has. And if you know what you know, what you know today, when the enemy brings lies to you and tries to deceive you, tries to tell you what happened didn't happen, you remind him. 
assault. You are paraded. You've been on my God. You've been put. You've been totally, completely put to shame. Hallelujah. He said, defeated foe. Remind him that at the cross, he was defeated. At the cross, you were vindicated. At the cross, you were healed. At the cross, you prospered. At the cross, God showed his love towards you. At the cross, at the cross, it happened. He put him to shame. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And just so we can be so convinced, there are two or three verses of scripture, very obscure. We did not know where they fitted until I saw this message. In Matthew 27, the Bible talks about how all the old saints that had died, when Jesus went to the cross, the rent was torn from top to bottom. And the graves were opened. And these old saints came out of the grave. And they marched to Jerusalem. What were they doing? They were showing their bodies. We were dead once. But through the power of resurrection. My God, death cannot hold us down any longer. It's not just Jesus that rose from the dead. But when he got up, I also got up. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you this afternoon. When Jesus got up, you got up. When you got up, you got up. When he got up, you got up. He was not just parading the devil's demise. He was also modeling your victory. Victory over death. Victory over sin. Victory over sickness. Victory over poverty. In the name of Jesus. You have it. Now you can understand what David did. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm done. 1 Samuel 17, he killed Goliath, but he didn't stop there. In fact, let me read that, and then we close. 1 Samuel 17. Look at verse 50. Hmm. Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. What did he need a sword for? We are told he's already dead. Verse 51. Therefore David ran and took over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Why did he do that? Look at this next sentence. And when the Philistines saw, what did they see? <laughs> that their champion was dead. They fled. But look at verse 52. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted. Thank you. Arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Akron. 
Verse 54. Verse 54. I'm, I'm going ahead here. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. Now, there's a passage here I can't find it. I don't know what I did with it. But the point is, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 11. I'm almost done. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Initially, before David took over the Philistine, all Israel, were, they were afraid. Look at verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. But after the head was cut off, it's a different story entirely. The Bible says the men of Israel and Judah arose, verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued. What am I saying to you? All of a sudden, you may have been afraid before revelation comes. You may have been dreadful before you know what's happening. But after God sheds light into the matter for you, you will arise with shout in your mouth. That's what happened to the Israelites. They saw the head of the Philistine. Ah, this is the man that's tormenting us. He is God. They arose and shouted. God wants you and I to be emboldened. In the contemporary life here in the United States, you win the NBA, you win the Super Bowl. What happens? Kansas City Orioles just won the World Series. What did they do? They had a parade in Kansas of over 850,000 people who were not in the stadium but heard that they won. But the team came to a ticker tape parade where the entire city honored them and saw with their own eyes that in fact these guys are the champions. That's what God has done for us. Amen. That's what he's done for us. You have what it takes. I said you have what it takes. I said you have what it takes this morning. I said you have what it takes this morning. By grace all is provided for you. By faith you must now receive what God has done. In the name of Jesus. No demon, no satanic forces or spirits will be able to withstand the power of God that is in your mouth. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for teaching us and showing us the authority that we have in and through you. We bless your name for making this provision available for us. And so, Father God, we are men and women empowered, emboldened with joy, knowing that the, uh, the power of the Spirit is in our hands. Because like we said this morning in prayer, greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. And so we empower the power of God. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same power that created the universe. We speak it forth. We release it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for manifestation. Open our eyes as we go home. Show us, Lord Jesus, where the hindrances are. Show us what we need to contend with so that we can employ your weapons and your resources to bring him victory. And so, Lord, I declare victory for your people this week. I say victory for you this week. I say favor for you this week. I say promotion is waiting for you this week. I say prosperity is waiting for you this week. I say healing is waiting for you this week. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be prospering, be whole, be favored. In the name of Jesus, we declare it, we decree it, we can it to be so because God, you said it. It is done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.